0: What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching another epic episode of The Charlie Shrem Show, powered by Untold Stories, where you and I together twice a week, would we get to dive deep with some of Bitcoin and crypto's most influential leaders, OGs, early folks, politicians, mayors, presidents of countries, prime ministers, those who are building out the technology, some of the earliest folks, maybe even Satoshi himself, to truly understand how this movement came to be where we are right now, and where we are going. I'm your host, Charlie Shrem. I've been in Bitcoin since 2011 at the first Bitcoin exchange and founded the Bitcoin Foundation. And since then, I've been doing crazy, crazy things in the space. I'm really excited to be joined today by my good friend, George Moses, who's the founder and curator of the Bitcoin Museum. And we talked about the encyclopedia of physical Bitcoins, memorabilia, artwork, cryptocurrencies, who is Satoshi Nakamoto himself, a lot of the early lore, historical information, how I actually had my hands on the holy grail of Bitcoin, the original newspaper. For a very short while, we told that story and we had a lot of fun. Enjoy George Moses. So we're talking to George Moses, who... Has taken on this role over the last, I'm going to say, five to seven years, kind of the curator of the Physical Bitcoin Museum. I would say not just like physical Bitcoin, but also all sorts of like memorabilia, artwork, physical and digital things as it relates to like Satoshi and Bitcoin. And in my hand, actually, I have like a physical printed book. And I encourage people to buy this book or check it out called The Encyclopedia of Physical Bitcoins and Cryptocurrencies by Elias Ahonen. I remember when Elias was writing this book and it's like almost 300 pages. George, what's, what's the history of, of the physical Bitcoin? Where did it all start? What was like the first iteration? In 2011,
1: uh, someone on Bitcoin Talk, a user came up with one, but it, it was not a loaded physical Bitcoin. It was just a, a, a remnant of one that they made uh, in, in a mint or whatever. And then eventually in that same year, Cassius, who is Mike Caldwell, decided to come out with the first physical bitcoin and it was just on a copper um, coin that he got made through a gaming um those that make the gaming tokens and he was just giving them away there was a couple dollars at the time and it was just um his way of explaining bitcoin to people and giving them a physical something to hold so they can wrap their head around what is a physical bitcoin or what is bitcoin and you that it just lives on the internet you can't hold it and this was his way of, of bridging that gap and um and yes, so he started creating them first. And then shortly thereafter, other creators started uh, a guy in um, Hawaii name um, Smoothie. He started creating Leilana, And from there just grew Bobby Lee with BTCC. I would say those are the three premium ones that first um, put their names on the map. And still to this day have never been compromised in any way each of those, and it, they just happen to get less and less over time. You know, there's never more of these coins made from the original mint from in 2013 to 16, 17, where they stopped producing most of these coins. And, um, you know, it really is deflationary. This is one of the best assets, I think, for collectors that they can do because every day a coin is peeled. You know, a, a coin is never unpeeled, it's always peeled. And the more coins that remain over time, Intact with the private keys, with the load. I think those are just going to fetch um, f- phenomenal, um, you know, you know n- numismatic value over time, really and truly.
0: Yeah, we see people grading them. I mean, for the, last t- for the last 10 years, going back even 2013, when people started trading them, when the first ones came out, I remember as early as 2013 and 14, they were getting them, people were getting their coins graded. I was certainly getting my Cassatius coins graded. And then now you see them like being sold some of the, the rare ones. You know, this is like almost a 300 page book. There's some of the rare ones are, are fetching for a long time. But explain, like, so let's, let's use the Casasius coin as, as, the, as the main example, because I feel like a lot of the other physical Bitcoins kind of followed in, in lockstep after, after Mike Caldwell uh, was shut down. And, and I'd love if you can tell that story. But how is their actual Bitcoin on these physical coins? And how was it used to like teach people how Bitcoin worked back in the early days?
1: All right. So when, um, when like in my example, when I was first approached about Bitcoin, it was by my cousin, Gabriel Abed, who we all know in the space. He's a pioneer and he's helped um, champion the cause. But he, he, he set up a meeting with me back in 2013. And you know at that time, I was living in Trinidad and I was running a uh, Family businesses which involved the casinos and we were pretty doing pretty well and we hadn't starting off doing well in life. We struggled me and my family and then finally we we got this business going and we were doing pretty well. So we were very guarded against you know certain people approaching us for investments and I'm not to say that um, Gabriel is any anyone that I should have been guarded against, but when he did approach me with Bitcoin and the way he described it to me, he just basically pitched it to me as a you know a get rich thing, you know he said, there's this thing called Bitcoin. It's going to make you rich. And um, I said, okay. So I looked around in, in my office. I had just finished probably doing a account for the day's um, winnings. And I, I looked at him and I said, what are you talking about? I'm already rich. What's, what do you mean? He said, well, no, this is a m- internet money that it lives on the internet. And you, I said, can I hold it? And he said, well, you can hold it in a wallet, but you can't really hold it. You can only move it on the internet. And when he said that, my um, antenna went up and I said, you know, a red flag and I sort of chased him away. I said, I'm, I'm not really too interested. And up to this day, he still sends me a screenshot of the email that was <laughs> in the telling where, where I turned it down. And, and if he had walked into my office that day and he handed me a physical Bitcoin, and I'll explain to you how the keys are affixed to it, I think I would have definitely, um, I would have jumped on it having that in my hand and knowing that I could have actually held it because I probably didn't really trust the internet in those early days like most people and and the way these coins are made and it's very um you know it has to be done in a very safe way and you have to know what you're doing when you're affixing a private key to a coin because you want to do it on a, on a printer that's not connected to the internet in no way you want to get rid of the hard drive after you print your private keys to make sure there's no copies of it ever to be found And you have to fix it using a hologram sticker that would be done in, you know, you want to fix it as as nicely as possible. Because when you go to grade your coin like you spoke of, and some of these early graded coins that are done in the Anax, which is one of the companies that graded it, there's different colors like yellow, white, and green. And people actually like to collect the green ones more because there's a rarer amount of that. So when you get into collecting and you find out about the numbers of the amounts of, it's just crazy. You get the rarest grade, like a MS seventy, which is very rare. I you have a few in my collection, and in an Anax grade, um, in an Anax. Um, it's it's like a really pride, proud, thing. You you never want to get part with it. You want to just hold on to it forever. It makes you hold on to these coins. Oh
0: my god! I've only ever seen like an MS sixty seven coin. How big is your collection? I would
1: say, I've, well, I would like to say how I started my collection and then you know over the years where I've gotten to and, and how fast I've gotten there and the, the tricks I've used to get there, not really tricks, but in learning the industry and how it works and acquiring this collection over such a short time. Many of the seasoned veterans that have been collecting coins from the early days of the releases are very impressed when they see my collection of what I've amassed in the last four years, you know? And um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it because it took a lot of work to get there. And uh, Bitcoin Talk um, helped me a lot, which is the forum that Satoshi started back in 2000 and when Bitcoin was first created. And um, what, what, it's led to a lot of late nights in auctions and bidding wars, hunting down coins through past um, bidd- um You know, and when people posted on sites back in 20, I would hunt down who bought the coins, private message them, wait for replies for weeks. And then go into negotiations to acquire these coins, and it was really a lot of work. And i and I would say back my first coin, and how I ever got into it was I was in a chat in a WhatsApp at the Alpha Group. Big shout out to Gabby again, and one of the veterans in there, which was Steve One. I know you know him well. He posted a picture of some Cassius and Titan and some Leolana coins, and when I saw that message pop up in Alpha back in 2017 during that bull run, I. I, my eyes just lit up. It was my first time ever seeing physical coins and I private messaged him right away. I'm like, Steve, how do I get one of these coins? He said, buddy, I got one. I can, you can, I'll part with it for you. And I said, great. Well, how do we do this? He said, well, I'm going to Barbados and this summer, if you want, come meet me over there. So right on, I booked a ticket with me and my son and I hopped on a plane and I flew over that summer in 2018 during the bear market and I got my first Cassatius coin in my hand. And when I looked at it in the sunlight in Barbados, and I flipped it over and I looked at that hologram, I became mesmerized. It's like I, it's like I got hypnotized right away. And my journey began where I just wanted to collect as many of them as I could possibly collect. And the rare the rarer the coin was where there was only 21 of some of these coins made, it made the hunt even more passionate. And I wouldn't stop until I get this coin in my hand and I realized the chase was more exciting than actually acquiring the coin, you know? So it's like, on to the next one. And I just kept going from there. I sell about 300 coins right now. And about a hundred, about half of those coins are loaded with Bitcoin.
0: Are there any coins or collector's items relating to like Satoshi or Bitcoin that you've not been able to find?
1: There are some original pieces from crypto graffiti that is... That is, he's one of the most sought-after artists, I think, in the space. And I would love to always acquire one of his original works. I have a few of his prints, some one of, you know, one of 21s. But acquiring one of his original pieces, I think, would be amazing. And also Fractal Encrypt, who is the artist behind The Node, who's only made 10 of those. I think, you know, acquiring one of those nodes is one of my, one of my main goals. And I'm onto a lead onto one of them.
0: So we'll see. What about the newspaper?
1: Oh, de- the definitely that Chancellor on brink of bailout. I mean, that's going to cost me like maybe 10 Bitcoin for that. If I think on market terms, I know if you're lucky, you get it for seven or eight, you know. So, you know, there's only a limited amount of Bitcoin. And unfortunately, I only bought a certain amount in the early days. So it's very hard to keep up when you're buying these things because you want to keep some liquid Bitcoin there. You don't want to have them all locked up into these things, you know. And as the yes. price increases, unfortunately, sometimes the premiums decrease because you knew from buying Bitcoins, physical Bitcoins, in the yeah. early days that you, know, you won't get the same price for them today because the, the dollar value has increased. And unfortunately, that is something that happens over time.
0: So we're talking about this newspaper, and we just celebrated like Bitcoin's birthday just the other day. And in, in the Genesis block, the first block, I think that was mined in, shit, I forget what year was it. When was first Bitcoin? 2009. Losses? I was two thousand. It was January third, two thousand nine. I was I was thinking two thousand eight or two thousand nine. So you had that first January third, two thousand nine, and you had that like in the first Bitcoin block, you had that message that Satoshi himself had put in there. It was uh, the Chancellor Cancel on, on the, the
1: brink of bailout for banks, <laughs> yeah. Second bailout.
0: It's like that newspaper like headline n- not just like was a rallying cry for all the first Bitcoiners about like the manipulation that governments do and kind of like the old adage that the closer you are to the money printer, the more wealthy you can get, you know? And so you have people that are close to this money printer, even right now, who are just getting richer and richer while the rest of the world is just really getting poorer and poor, and, uh, and that wealth gap is increasing. And Satoshi was right all these years later, but that physical newspaper that was printed oh that day by the, by the UK Times, there's only like 30 or 40 copies in existence and they, they can't just print more, they can, they can reprint. But the original ones, they're, they're probably sitting in someone's house somewhere. And like- Can I, you can I can...
1: say something, Charlie? If anyone here listening right now goes and it goes in their mom's basement, in their attic, and they find one of these papers, please call me. I, I, I'll offer you a significant for someone. I'd love to get one of these papers. But I think I, I'm onto a few leads also where I'm building connections, I'm building relationships, where people are going to loan me and allow some of their um, pieces to be shown in the museum at certain times. And, certain, you know, you know it'll, be, it'll be like, it'll be a traveling uh, I exhibit, can't wait. hopefully. And yeah, it's, I'm building it up really awesome. And my mom is going crazy because I'm storing a lot of my stuff by her. So on on, on three of the bedrooms in, in, a, in her house, which is not her bedroom, my pieces are all over on the walls, <laughs> the sculptures are on the desks. And she just has to bear with it right now because I'm not paying to store this stuff. I'm keeping it right where I
0: can see it. So this newspaper, I had it. I had it for a very brief amount of time. I'll never forget when I had it, but I had it. How did you, how did that come into oh, your possession? I'd
1: love to hear story.
0: So my collector's story, well, I started really vigorously collecting during my house arrest years. So it was during, you know, it was right after I, so I had uh, founded the first Bitcoin exchange back in 2011 and was run, one of the first, uh, you know, Mount Gox and Trade Hill. And we we're running that for a few years. And Roger Veer was my first investor. And Mike Caldwell, Cassatius was a friend. Uh, we became friends just because, you know, the early Bitcoin community, there just wasn't a lot of people. And Roger Veer, the creator of Bitcoin.com. Bitcoin and Jesus. His, yeah, yeah Bitcoin Jesus invested and founded in, back in, the day. in. Yeah, probably is invested in and founded in companies like BitPay, Coinbase, Kraken, almost every company today. Roger was the angel investor. He's Bitcoin Jesus. He founded Bitcoin Cash and a lot of other really cool things. But he was literally, Roger was giving them out. Like I remember having rolls, rolls of Casasius coins. Rolls, like quarter rolls. I know. On my desk. I wish I was
1: around. I wish I was around (laughs) in those days, Charlie. I missed the boat there. I missed the boat on that one. No, you didn't. You You didn't
0: miss the boat at all. The boat hasn't even left, by the way. 10, 20, 30 years from now, people are going to be listening to this show and they're going to be like, "Only if only they knew that the boat hadn't really left yet. Like, listener, like the boat has not even no, no, left the portal. trains the,
1: the rules train is... of cast days. I'm not, I'm here for just a single cast, but you know, but the, really and truly, some of these coins are loaded with the lower amounts, like a 0.1, a one silver cast. Only seven or 800 of those have been made, and probably about 200 of them already peeled. Those are some of the like, they fetch really high premiums. So the lower the load sometimes, you get really high premiums on them, like 5 to 6, 7, eight x because they're more affordable for the everyday person nowadays, you know. Not everyone can afford the premium or to even purchase a one-bit coin cash. But recently in Stacks and Boas, they, they've had an auction in, in November, and they've featured about maybe like 150 crypto coins, that um and they did it pretty well. So they, they're going mainstream. And eventually one day i think every millionaire billionaire is going to want to have one in their pocket you know and they'll have one to to talk about and show off you know all right
0: guys i'm really excited that coming this january i'm going to be speaking at the quantum miami web3 bitcoin and crypto conference and what's really cool about it this is a continuation of the conference that's been going on almost 10 years in miami and so you have a continuation of the largest ever Bitcoin and crypto conference. It's coming back and we've secured complimentary tickets for all of my listeners from The Charlie Shrem Show. So head on over to quantummiami.com forward slash untold, and you get your complimentary ticket. You fill out some free information. Applications are being reviewed on a first come first serve basis. I'm going to be speaking there. And so is everyone else. The whole world is going to be there. We're really excited about it. I wanted to take a minute. Actually, we have Matt Madera from the conference, who's actually one of the folks putting on the show. He's here to tell us so much about what's going on. Matt, thanks for coming on the show for a minute.
2: Hey, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I just wanted to uh, shout out that I've been a big Shrem fan for a long time. I've known who you are forever. And I've probably ran into you a long time ago in New York. But I think you were you were much hairier. Yeah, back I still then. am. So I don't know. You,
0: you, you look a little less hairier nowadays. So we got this event coming up in January. It'll be the first kind of conference, I don't even like to say the word conference, it's the 25th of January. And what's great is that you're keeping it at the James L. Knight Center where traditionally, that's where where Bitcoin Miami started in like 2013. So you're, you guys are continuing that same ethos and that same kind of story and keeping that community together. So what do you got planned for this year?
2: So it's pretty interesting. Um, we've done a lot of research trying to look at other venues in Miami. And for some reason, we keep coming back to the James L. Knight Center like you mentioned, I think the thing that's most driving for our decision making in that regard has to be the auditorium. The auditorium is 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 really, it's fantastic. The venue is a little bit older, like in comparison to some of the new hot venues yeah. um, in Miami. But the thing is, is that none of them have that fantastic auditorium where you can really host a lot of people and put on a good show. So We've always come back. It's like every year, you know, we were thinking, maybe we should find another place. And we always end up coming back to this place because they have such a great, first of all, they have a great staff. It's in a great location. And also we're able to put on a really good production there.
0: Just going through like your speaker list. I mean, you really did bring together everyone who's everyone, but it's not filled with like the mainstream media CEOs that can spend a lot of money and pay to have their faces on Bloomberg. But these are the builders. These are folks that I've had on my show that are ones are building, doing, not only is it going to be very educational and entertaining, but it seems like it's going to be just a lot of fun because these are people we're all going to be hanging out together. It's not going to be like you have like the high flying CEOs and then you have the rest of us.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a big part of it, right? I've. I've spent a lot of time uh, like curating the list of who's going to be speaking. And I took a step back and I looked at the past years and realized there was a lot of reoccurring speakers. And that's okay in certain aspects to have, you know, like a loyal following and people always want to come. But I wanted to really mix it up and give some new, interesting, big players, in my opinion, especially in like the DeFi realm and L1s and L2s. I pivoted this year and really tried to go after like some bigger chains for sponsorships. So Avalanche, b Chain, Polygon, Phantom, and also the one that brings them all together, essentially a chain link. Yeah. So interesting enough, the amount of speakers on the website are probably like 75%. I don't want to push everything out all at one time. I think it's nice to give a good drip over the next few weeks and keep the, keep the hype going. I have a ton of really great people that I'm going to be adding probably after the holidays, but you're right. it's It's a good array of people and it's definitely different than what the like status quo was previously so i'm i'm super excited for this year and we have a bunch of different chains and legal firms and We have everything involved this year. So it's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. And we're looking forward to having you. I mean, you're, you're, you're one of those people that kind of, we we insisted on having come back from the original kind of. Oh, this is
0: like a famous stage. I mean, this is the stage that launched Ethereum. This is the stage that, you know, where Vitalik first introduced it to the world. This is the same stage that Litecoin was introduced to the world, Dash, so many other projects. It was the same stage that Mo, the the conference uh, host at the time had walked out on stage. That fateful night saying, Charlie's supposed to be speaking right now, but we don't know where he is. And I was sitting in a, in a jail cell back in Brooklyn. And now it's just, uh, it's a blessing and an honor to be able to to speak and, and to come back to the conference uh, year over year. But what I really appreciate is that you guys also offered to allow my listeners who, you know, a lot of times it's very expensive to spend thousands of dollars on, on conference tickets, especially where travel is so expensive right now. And people want to come from all over the world. So you guys have opened up my listeners for free tickets. I uh, just got to go to quantummiami.com forward slash untold. And what's cool about it is that you guys are really filtering the folks that are builders, Web3, you know, folks doing all of um, uh, some amazing things. But yeah, I appreciate you allowing all my listeners to come and come down to Miami. And if uh, they head over to quantummiami.com forward slash untold, to be able to fill out what they're working on and things that they're doing. So I really appreciate that. At the end of the day, it's just going to be a lot of fun. And that's really what what this is all about.
2: Especially during the bear market. Really? You got to keep the fun moving.
0: Cool, man. I appreciate you taking the time and coming on the show to tell everyone what's going on. And I'll see everyone in Miami in a few weeks.
2: Thanks, man. Thank you for having me.
0: I want to get back to my newspaper story because I feel like people were on the hook. But I want to ask you, why did Casasius stop creating these physical Bitcoins in 2013? Like they were so popular even when they had first launched. And he had made like so many different styles. Like you said, like 0.1 Bitcoin, 1 Bitcoin, 5, 25. He had a 1,000 Bitcoin. There's still a 1,000 Bitcoin bar, I think, around a bunch of 100 Bitcoin coins. I mean, there's probably... A half dozen or a dozen or so different styles. Why did Mike stop making them?
1: Well, he was a one-man show, and um, it became a lot of work for him. And then the price increase in Bitcoin also made it way more into the limelight, where he got eyes on him. Where FinCEN eventually sent him, you know, a cease and desist. Basically, you had to register as a money transmitter, get a license, or stop making these coins. And he you know he just opted to stop making them. He thought there was enough out there, and the the price of bitcoin was increasing significantly, where he didn't want to be responsible for holding you know the the private or you know not really holding but that that sort of money going through his hands and whatnot. So I think he 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 bowed out respectively and and, and gracefully, and up to now, none of his coins have ever been compromised, and because of that, I think they're more significant, you know, lesser available. And for that reason, yeah, but he went out just at the right time.
0: It ended up working out really well because that FinCEN ended up like, because it's such a a forced, a forced like stoppage that you're like, hey, you're creating like more currency that they be like for the the U.S. government forever created the Casasius as like collector's item.
1: For sure, I think these things. Um, I, I think I, I, some of my my most prized possessions is my guilted one Bitcoin cast that. I, oh, it's I look beautiful. At it. When I look at it, I just yeah, there's a sense of, and I think I got this collecting thing from early days of the young man collecting reggae records. You know, in those days that they, they would only have a certain amount pressed, and you'd want to make sure and get a copy of it, and all these. You know, we just have a human innate nature to want to gather and collect things that are scarce and rare, and I think bitcoin being the most sound money that we've ever seen it being something that cannot be censored controlled, or stopped and you know the the power and the self-sovereignty that it brings i think that these, these this is a new renaissance and the new art that is being created in these early days and the coins just like people collect coins fiat currencies from in the olden days uh, when they get to realize the scam that fiat is and it's just going to zero and they realize what Bitcoin is, I think these things are going to be very significant. So, you know, what gave me the idea for a Bitcoin Museum besides trying to educate people was that I was living in Wynwood in Miami. I got stuck in Miami during COVID from Trinidad closed its borders. They locked the beaches. They just went overboard with the whole craziness of COVID. And I was really glad that I got forced to stay in Miami because I, I was living in Winwood, really lovely area in Miami, and um, you know, very artsy and stuff. And there was a graffiti museum down the corner from my building. And every day I just see tourists lining up, isn't, and going into there. And I so I went in one day and I walked through the museum. And I'm like, you know, graffiti is it's a cool thing, but you know, a lot of these people would never really be interested in having graffiti done up on the side of their walls of their house, or they may have seen it as a, a nuisance in the past. But due to the history and the art and everything involved with graffiti, they're lining up to go into graffiti museum. I'm like, Bitcoin is so much more significant and powerful and it has brought freedom way more and everything else way more, I think, than graffiti done. And it also is, has a graffiti concept to it. I'm like, I think this is going to do well. And that just led me down the rabbit hole of just one. working so on this mystery. mission of this whole... There is, but how, I want to hear your story of how did you get this paper. Oh,
0: the newspaper. Into your hands, man. No, so I was going to say there's just so much history now, too, with, with the early days of Bitcoin that can be put into a museum and, like, physical representations of that. Like, I can't wait to loan my collection to you because I have, like, my first New, the first new York license plate. Bitcoins was my plate. Some of the earlier stuff, like, I mean, I, I, have, really cool. yeah, I have some really, really, really old stuff, like, um, from, from the old days, I'm excited. I mean, what's, there was... your, what's
1: your favorite coin that you have? Like, what's what's like one of your most like pieces that you look at that you love? Like, like how oh, I like the gilt So you got Castaceous the one.
0: The Casasius and the Lianas um, and some of the light coins are really beautiful. I love Bobby Lee's BTCC chips. But love I had I had we haven't spoken about this one yet. But there's the there's one physical. Bitcoin that predated Cassatius, that almost no one ever talks about. And I had one. I don't have it anymore. I wish I did, but it was the Bitbills. Do you remember the Bitbills? You're not going to
1: believe this, Charlie, but I own a Bitbill and I won it on an auction on BitcoinTalk.org. After I won it, the, the amount of OGs that private messaged oh me and congratulated me on winning it.
0: What? My mouth is dropping till, right now.
1: Bro, I stayed up till 4 a.m. to win this shit and I battled <laughs> oh a couple guys. God. In the end, they were like, okay, bro, you deserve it. Just just have it. And I, I was so glad because I got it at a pretty reasonable price. I thought in my mind, I've never thought I'd acquire Bitbills at that price. And when I acquired that Bitbills, Charlie, that was when I said, I have to do this museum.
0: Yeah, dude, you have to because the memory of Bitbills is is being lost. And a lot of people connected the Bitbills with some of the early potential Satoshi group too. All those early people that were involved, there's always, if you look at some of the like the first few thousand people that joined Bitcoin Talk, a lot of those were the physical Bitcoin creators and collectors. For sure. A lot of people like connected those people to potential some of the early Satoshi groups. You just don't know. We don't know who we were interfacing with on Bitcoin Talk in those early days. Very, Very easily could have been anyone from the Satoshi group who wanted to retire Satoshi, the Satoshi pseudonym, and then just join Bitcoin under their regular names, seemingly as if they found it on the internet like everyone else did. I mean, wouldn't you want to do it that way if you were Satoshi?
1: Yeah, and there's all sorts of crazy people and animals and yeah. all sorts of characters I deal with lesbian cow and... Lesbian cow, all these and, people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I got to meet a lot of these guys in real life because like the way I got into the community was I, I when I when I first saw these coins, I started searching on Instagram for them and I'd find people posting them and I'd start messaging them and private messaging them. And, you know, in this industry, in this space, you always got to be very wary for scammers, right? But when you get to see someone, how passionate they are, eventually they let me into, like, the, you know, they're in a circle. So I became really good friends. I got to meet a lot of these guys in person, and I go by their houses, and I look at their collections. And they've helped me, and advised me, and guided me on making sure I don't get scammed in this space. And I'm just going to, you know, give some advice to anyone who ever wants to start acquiring these coins. Well, obviously, you know, you could always reach out to me for advice and I'll help guide you. But there's a couple of tips, you know, you can always follow to make sure you stay safe. And one of them are, if you ever reach out and someone reaches out and you, if you find a coin that they have that you really like, you always get them to make sure and send you a photo of a piece of paper with the coin on top of it. Get a shadow there if you can. Make sure it's not Photoshop of the, time, of the date, whatever, the block, you know, of the current of the block being mined or whatever. Take a picture next to the computer, show some date and that they actually have the coin in their possession. And then from there, you work with an escrow agent and you make sure that the coin gets you, don't ever send any Bitcoin directly to any random stranger you've met on the internet without, you know, going through an escrow, which I I recommend, Miner Jones. He's the guy that's Mantis Cryptos. If anyone's really interested, look out for him and make sure you deal with this, the real one and follow the right steps and make sure you stay safe in this industry.
0: That's really, really great advice. Thank you so much.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, a couple of other things I'm going to say real quick, besides BTCC, which I really love, another couple of collectibles that I, I think that people should look into and try to get one or two of it is the Lara. They're amazing. Have, do you own any Kialaras, Charlie? I had. So are you you keep mentioning the Times paper from January 2009. When did you ever really have that? In the, how did it, how did it get on your desk?
0: Let's go back to 2014. That's when I really started realizing that some of these uh, crypto tokens, like the physical ones, had had value over the future. And so I um, was under house arrest and uh, going through that whole, that whole process. And I just decided to, like you, scour the forums and everything and start collecting and talking to people that I knew from the early days that had some of these great collections. And I didn't have many of the physical Bitcoins that I had back then, so I had just started the collection at that point. I remember giving away Cassatius coins to a lot of people. So that one of the first thing I did was like reach out to those people and offer to buy the so coins hot back hot. from them. <laughs> I gave away physical Bitcoins to like everyone I knew. If I knew you back in 2011 or 10 or even 12, I probably gave you a physical Bitcoin. I mean, hell, Christmas, I gave it to my now wife's family, like physical Bitcoins. So I, I reached out to everyone and I just started trying to see where, what I could buy back from people. It's funny, like the prize, like, hey, I remember I gave you this gift. Can I buy it from you for like $5,000? I was speaking to someone who had a huge collection of different things. Huge, huge collection from the early days of Bitcoin. One of the, the collection items was the newspaper. And I remember not even believing that it was the real newspaper. And I bought it as part of like a larger collection. And I had it for a very, very brief Brief period of time, but like anything, we were in a bear market back then, and I needed to sell assets in order to unfortunately have income. And I, you know, had a lot of legal fees and stuff like that at the time. And so I, it's funny that you said ten bitcoin because I remember selling it for around ten or eleven bitcoin in 2014, but the price of bitcoin was only like three hundred dollars. So I probably got three four thousand dollars for the newspaper. And the reason I'd sold the newspaper and not my other physical Bitcoin was because there was no physical Bitcoin on this newspaper. And I really thought that I could just go source another one. I didn't think it was very rare. Very Little did much. I know that when I contacted the Times, I was, they said that like thousands of people call them every day for this newspaper and they don't understand why. And it was like the biggest regret, but what am I going to do?
1: 10 Bitcoin is 10 Bitcoin, Charlie, just buy it back. i just kidding. Well, but no, so
0: the person i sold yeah, it to, to i think it's in good hands because i reached out to him well that actually what had happened was he reached out to me a few years later and asked me if i knew about the newspaper and i said no i sold it to you he ended up selling it to someone else and it got lost oh, like in the chain of sales i mean this is like the Whoa. fucking holy grail here it this is. is rare no one it can is, find it no one i can, have been, to
1: get one of these I once a year somehow
0: someone reaches out to me and it asked me to help them find it. But I'm gonna help you. We're gonna go. We're gonna search for the dude. We should make a podcast series about finding the newspaper.
1: We just even if it just goes there for like the opening, you know, and stays for a few months and then eventually gets come you know, I didn't even have to physically own it. I just want it to be there in the museum somehow. So hopefully I put this out there. God works in mysterious ways. We'll see what happens.
0: I think it's gonna I think we'll find it. We'll find
1: it. But another collector that I really love, too, that people should look into is Crypto Imperator. He's a, he's a collector. He's a coin maker from Spain. And he makes really small mints, you know, sometimes 50 coins of just one, 100. And yeah, he's the one that I really started collecting. And I have one of the most expensive Crypto Imperator collections that I'm pretty proud of.
0: What are, the are there any collections coins. out there right now? So, so we're talking about like physical things, right? Then we had the whole NFT boom, Going through that NFT boom, like people were just creating, like issuing NFTs and then selling for them for like millions and millions of dollars. I was kind of looking at the NFT boom with a little bit of like a sour face because here I was collecting like physical representations of crypto. And then now all of a sudden people can create limited edition digital things. Did you kind of have the same feeling?
1: Yeah, I saw that. at first. I was just I was so aghast by it, and I definitely didn't I didn't see it. And then I and then it clicked for me. I realized the community side of NFTs, and but you know just the fact that they could just min about out of anywhere, just create a bunch of them, generate it automatically, and it was just it became too much for me. And I and I, I it made me love my physicals even more. And I'm glad I did because those people who got all the NFT hype, some of them didn't want physicals anymore. And I got a few solid collectors that had really good collections and they got shaken out. They sold me some of their coins. They got into NFTs. And I, I mean, I'm sure they regret it now because it's not the same as like standing up in the sunlight and looking at something physical and looking at the strokes of something on a canvas and like feeling that that's a one-of-one one and knowing it's a one-of-one, one, the proof of work it took to really make it by hand or a sculpture. And looking at a screenshot or looking at a screen and saying that that's something that I mean there are some that are really that are really nice and I like them, I see the beauty in some of them. But there's just too many and it's been flooded, it's been watered down, and I would never see the beauty in the physical, um, the NFT over an actual real piece of art in front of my eyes. Sorry, I tried.
0: Well, maybe there's like a relationship there. Like you talked about Crypto Graffiti. Remember, Crypto Graffiti did some limited pieces for Satoshi Roundtable. And I went to Satoshi Roundtable back in 2016, I think it was. And I was able was to- Was it keep... NFTs? Well, they weren't NFTs, but he actually put private keys into ingrained in the, in, in the actual original works of art. The private keys had no Bitcoin on them, but you could put Bitcoin on them. And I think that's a cool relationship. So maybe there's like, a relationship between physical and digital NFTs and, uh, and these collectibles in the future. In fact, dude, I don't know if you saw, I'm sorry for like taking over this whole conversation, but 4k.com, no, no, no. you can send your physical Casasius coins to 4k.com. They'll custodialize it and then issue an NFT, an NFT that represents the Casasius coin.
1: That's pretty cool. It is. It is pretty cool. I think that's a cool idea. But, you know, if, it, if it's done, if anything related with Bitcoin is done on Ethereum, it's going to chase away a lot of people that, yeah. you know, like Bitcoin. And anyway, so there's, there are ways that you can do NFTs. It's Counterparty. And then there's also Rare um, Toshi, which works on Liquid. That's not really catching on too well. But I think um, the next one I spoke of is is, um, is Counterparty with all the Pepe's and the frogs. And, you know, are you into that, uh, Well, they back in the rabbit hole. I don't even want to go down to. I I can't spend my BTC on digital cards. No. That um, are just being created, like, you know, selling for one Bitcoin. I I haven't been able to grasp that. Sean Leary,
0: uh, like, he did a um, calling him out. I love that guy. He he issued a Shrem Pepe, like, 10,000 Limited back in (laughs) 2014, I think he did. And just recently, I got possession of them. So I, I burned almost all of them because you can burn, you know, you can burn the, the private keys. And then I only kept like a thousand left. So I have them. And I'm just going yeah, yeah. to give them away to people.
1: <laughs> There's ones, I've seen them pop up here. I've actually bought an encyclopedia of the Pepe's cards just to start to learn about it and have it for the museum. Because it is part of the history, you know. Yeah. It's crazy, bro. It's, it's People just know the money side. But when you get into the art and you get into just the whole renaissance of what Bitcoin is doing, man, I since I went, since I have got bitten by the Bitcoin bug, it, every day you just don't wake up and not think about Bitcoin,
0: you know? George, there's been like a resurgence of Bitcoin culture lately. And I feel like that comes with every bear market. But I've noticed it really with this one a lot lately. There's been like a huge, not with like, I hate, we're not going to, we're not seeing like a lot of maximalism. But we're seeing like people are okay with like being a crypto person, but at the same time, like embracing Bitcoin culture and what it means to be like a Bitcoiner and the Bitcoin ethos and like, you know, hard money, sound money, decentralization. And a, a good example of that is like you, you can say right now, I love the Bitcoiner ethos, right? And then you go look at like Bonk, which is a very hot token right now that everyone is like talking about. The only reason I bring it up is like 40% of it is owned by the creators of it, even though it's a meme coin. And so, right there, like if you're of the Bitcoiner ethos of like decentralization and sound money, you're not going to get excited by something like that, where it's clearly like a pump and dump.
1: Bro, today it's bonk, tomorrow it's zonk, and the next next week it's going to be chunk. It's just never stops. It's just always going to happen. And it's what's going to be around five years from now, ten years from now. What are you going to be it down to your grandkids? And I promise you, it's not going to be a bonk coin, physical bonk. It's going to be a physical casaceous that you want to be handing down to your, to your grandkids in the future.
0: Do you think there's like a use case to creating like a Bitcoin museum, like metaverse? That's almost like it's just out there. Anyone could go right now, embrace it through any like VR, you know, equipment they have, or even if they have non-equipment and then you create... Yeah, just-
1: there, are, there are a few of them. There are quite a few of them. In, um, I think Steve Wan has a really nice gallery in... um. In the central Land, some really nice pieces of art you can walk around in a physical oh, cool. well, you know, digitally. But I think that um for if you want to really get people who want to who, who to bridge the gap, like how when Gabriel came into my office to talk to me about Bitcoin. If you really want to get new believers and new entrants to really fully understand it, I think that experience immersing themselves in the full story of Bitcoin, from the time they walk through the door, they learn about Satoshi and they'll see the mining process, and then you go into the art, and you learn about the coins, and then, you know, I think that that's going to be what really helps the light bulb go off in certain people's head to understand the whole cultural phenomenon of what is money, what is this movement, you know, and they will be able to to get it, I think, and that's my real purpose of doing it, and to get someone to do that with a VR headset on and get into, you know, it's not going to be the same, I'm sorry. I don't think the the Graffiti Museum will be doing well in the Central land as well as it's doing in Wynwood right now.
0: So that's the goal. That's the goal. The
1: goal is to educate, and the goal is to bring people in and help them understand what is this
0: thing. I love that. I I think. Do you think Miami is the best place for it? I think
1: so, because it's a very freedom-loving city. It's growing significantly. People are moving here every day. I mean, I know because the the rents have gone up crazy in the last two years, three years since I moved here. And it's a it's a great sign of things to come with um, the crypto culture and the Bitcoin, movement. you know, there's a Bitcoin bull right here, the mayor, everybody. So I think I can gather some support. And thank God I waited on this because if I ran into this, did it in the last bull run, yeah. which we had all these scammers and charlatans around, I may have went to SPF and got funding for who knows, you know. True story. Yeah. Doing- the the Miami FTX, I, I in one day it might have popped into my head to say, hmm, maybe FTX might be able to. It's a really good thing that we let this next washout come and we see who sticks around because that's where you know how this thing keeps growing is who sticks around when the down times come. And I'm telling you, that is the time to keep educating yourself. That's the time to keep learning, and that's where I built my most of my collection is in the 2018, 2019 bear market when everyone thought. Uh, it's not going to pass 20 grand ever again. Let me just get rid of my shit. And here we are. We're past 69 and we're back down to 16 and you know, let's see where we are in two years time. But I can promise you that I don't think it's going to be 16,000.
0: I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time and and joining us on the show today and walking us through. Thank you
1: for having me, Charlie. Thank you so much. I appreciate it very much.
0: What a lovely, lovely episode to start it, to start everyone's week. I really appreciate you taking the time. And oh, I'll see you, I think we'll be in Miami for the Quantum Bitcoin Miami Conference at the end of January.
1: For sure. Let's do it. I'll be here. You know, Charlie, I remember watching documentaries of what Bitcoin did and these things. And I I see your story with um, your company in the early days and what you went through. And it it really did, like, inspire me just to say, well, you know, these guys knew it from since the early days, man. These guys are pioneers, and it's an honor to be on your show, man. Thanks a lot.
0: Of course, man. I'll talk to you soon.